0: Today, I'm Steve Addison, and you're listening to The Movement's Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today, Josh Howard will be asking the questions about the release of my new book, Acts and the Movement of God from Jerusalem to the Ends of the Earth.
1: But what what made you uh, decide that this is this is the next next thing you wanted to do and the next area you wanted to go
0: into? Well, there are a lot of good books on Acts and I've read a lot of them. And so every now and again, I'd ask myself uh, a question. So what what do we bring uniquely uh, to the table? One is delving into those commentaries and the writings of people like Roland Allen to try and understand the movement of God in Acts in terms of what the book of Acts is saying. But I'm looking at Acts from a movement's perspective because this is a movement of God. And I think it sets a standard for, for every generation since the book of Acts was written. And then the other thing I, I wanted to bring is, is the best of, you know, evangelical scholarship on the book of Acts for the practitioners in the field who are trying to implement, but also back from the field, the stories, the case studies, the lessons. So, you know, we sort of mix Acts in with reports from various places around the world, everywhere from, you know, New York to Nairobi, um, of uh, of movements around the globe, t- typically, you know, contemporary movements. I haven't gone so much historical with this book. So bringing together for practitioners both what the scriptures are saying in the book of Acts, And then what we're learning out in the field. How do we see the patterns of Acts being played out today?
1: Yeah, that's amazing, brother. And so, because obviously many people talk about, uh, in all reality, the movement that God started in the book of Acts has never stopped. We're in... You know, chapter two thousand five hundred and sixty-two, or something, of the Book of Acts. Now, people talk about Acts twenty-nine, but really, mm. we're <laughs> that would be one long chapter. Yeah. Uh, and so we're we're much further along. So I'm assuming, brother, by what you're talking about, you would kind of disagree with the Book of Acts being called the Acts of the Apostles,
0: uh, since yeah, well, it mostly is a movement that's God, Not right? in the, Luke didn't write that heading. It it's it's what <laughs> right. subsequent generations have called it. And some people say, oh, it's the Acts of, of the Holy Spirit. A uh, very good book was written entitled The Acts of the Risen Lord. You know, the more I got into it, the more I realized, you know, this is not a detailed history of the early church. It's not a biography of Peter or Paul, even though there, there's history in it and there's, there's biography in it. The, the main character in the book of Acts is the living God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So obviously, the Spirit yep. um, plays an important part throughout the whole of Acts, but so does the Risen Lord. So does the Father, who's planned and is bringing to fulfillment uh, yeah. these these events. So I I think God is the main character. Yeah, um, that's so good, brother. Acts.
1: And and not only not only the main character, brother, but what would you say? Because uh, there's so many different people that have written so many different things about. Uh, what is the big idea in the book of Acts? And there's a lot of sermons and a lot of books written on that. But as you were kind of praying and digging into it, what what did you kind of come to the conclusion on that? This is you know this is really the big idea that we're trying to find here.
0: Well, the first thing is it's about it's a book about God, and th- yeah. and that's why we don't just say, well, that, that's just past history it doesn't matter. it matters because it's about God. But it, not just God in a static. Uh, unchanging, you know, well, God is unchanging, but not just God in in some static sense. It's a book about the movement of God, which really in, it began when He when when He created by His word, um, and has continued all throughout history. But it comes together in this book of Acts, this movement of God to gather a people for the glory of His name throughout the whole world, every people group in every place. And so, you know, shorthand would be Acts is about the movement of God from Jerusalem yeah. to the ends of the earth. Yeah, that's so good, man.
1: So good. And and so so often I feel like um, we forget that when we're, when we especially as leaders or or pastors or whatever that may be reading this book or even reading the book of Acts, sometimes when we dig into stuff we uh, we we almost treat the bible sometimes as like we've got to parse out these words and do this and that and and sometimes we lose sight of really the big picture of what god is really calling us to do in response to what we're, we're reading really um and so as you were as you were working on this book and and for those that are going to be reading it and those that are listening right now based upon the main character that you're talking about the big picture what do you think this means for us today, 2,000 some odd years later? Um, what, what, what does this mean for us and how we live, how we do ministry, you know, how we go about fulfilling the Great Commission, how we go about joining God in this work that is continuing? What does that really mean for us right now?
0: Well, I think the reason Luke is writing is to help us bridge the gap between our, our experience and this movement of God he writes about in the book of Acts. And I remember the first, first time I visited London many years ago, and you're just about to get on a train, and all of a sudden you hear this loud announcements, mind the gap, mind the gap. And, and it took me a while to work out, what's this gap? You know, it's terrifying <laughs> to step onto the train. And Later on, I discovered, oh, it's just the gap between the train and the platform. They don't want you slipping down there. But, you know, it sort of paralyzed me for a moment, and then I, I took the step of faith and got on this moving train. You know, our experience is we're on a stationary platform, and, and this movement of God has, 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 has arrived in, in the form of a train, and yet there's a gap between our experience And what we read in the book of Acts and what the Lord wants us to do, minding the gap, but he wants us to bridge that gap, to step onto the train of the movement of God and to discover what that's like. And so, you know, I think just about all of us would say, yeah, that's that's my experience. I don't see what's happening in Acts happening in my own personal life and ministry or or around me. Well, that's why Luke is writing. He's writing for people who need uh, the next generation that needs to get back to what the first generation learned. Yeah. um about about the movement of God.
1: Yeah. Man, when you talk that way, Steve, my heart my heart starts burning cuz I like I I long to see every single day in my life what What we see in the book of Acts, what we read in the book of Acts, what we read in the Gospels—I think almost every Christian leader goes into ministry longing for that, and then something happens over the years where it's kind of like, well, maybe that just doesn't happen anymore, or maybe it doesn't work like this anymore, or whatever. What do you? What do you think are the main reasons why there is such a gap between our daily experiences and what we read about in the book of Acts?
0: I think one reason is it's the mission of God. It's not our mission. You know, we, we just our best efforts and 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 all of our great education and resources are not enough. Um, our sanctification is not enough. Our our efforts in evangelism is not enough. This is a wonderful thing. Jesus' first disciples had to learn about the gap between their experience and the movement of God, and that took place between the cross and the resurrection, they fail. These are the the men and women that that Jesus is preparing to be a missionary movement. And so when he rises from the dead, he encounters disillusioned, dismayed, and discouraged disciples, and he restores them. He doesn't start, sure, he trained them, but not even his training was enough. He began with a bunch of people who who were a million miles away from the movement, but it's the movement of God. He makes us fit for his purposes. He changes us from the inside out. So how does he do that with the first disciples? Well, because he's going to be doing that with us. Um, He does that through his living Word. So when Jesus rises from the dead, he restores the disciples. Then he says, I want you to pull out your Old Testaments. (laughs) He didn't call them Old Testaments, but we're going to go on a journey from Genesis right the way through to Malachi. And we're going to base everything, all of your understanding of why the Messiah had to suffer and die and then rise again and why this gospel for the forgiveness of sins, repentance and forgiveness of sins, is going to go to the ends of the earth so he grounds their identity in his word the core missionary task in his word this is a risen lord he could just talk but instead i'm going to show it to you in the word because jesus is a man under the authority of his father's word so that's the first thing he does to help them bridge the gap the the second thing he does is um not in order, but the uh, second thing he does is promise them the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is going to come upon every disciple, not just the disciples, the apostles. The Spirit is going to fall upon young and old men and women. And what's the Spirit going to do? It's going to set them free to bear witness to the Lord Jesus throughout the world. So there's the Word, there's the Holy Spirit, And then finally, there's that core missionary task. You know, Jesus' mission was to die for the sins of the world and rise victorious and win for himself a people for the glory of God. And he's called us to go into the world and go make disciples. And as we multiply disciples in every place and every people group, the fruit of that is communities of disciples. Churches are formed throughout the world. So as the word goes out in the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit is always multiplying disciples and churches to the glory of God. That's how Jesus enables his first disciples and us today to bridge that gap. It's obedience to his word, dependence on the Holy Spirit, and faithfulness to the core missionary task that's the very heart of the movement of god that's true north
1: that's so good steve and so which makes a ton of sense because honestly the truth the sad truth is there's a lot of us believers who um have maybe one or two of those things but not all three working conjointly together and so a lot of times we may be really good at studying the word and and spending time alone with jesus and and uh, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit or whatever, but we forget that all of that is for a major, huge purpose of actually going and completing the tasks that He's given us to do. Um, and so, the, I mean, I've even seen that in my own life that when I'm when I'm on the frontier, frontline areas of the gospel, um, and beginning to share the gospel with people that have never heard Him before. <clears throat> It starts looking a whole lot more like the Book of Acts than if I'm just sitting on my couch watching watching Netflix,
0: <laughs> um, or, or in your study uh, studying theology or con- you know which right. has its place. But something right, of happens when you step out, yeah, and encounter someone who's far from God and begin. Yeah, I heard a- about Jesus.
1: I heard an evangelist many years ago who was seeing basically Book of Acts kind of stuff, right? Healings and uh, rapid church planning and all of that. And somebody asked him, you know, uh, hey, why aren't we seeing that where we are? Why are you seeing that there? Like, And you can name anywhere, Africa or India or China. or where, Why are they seeing it there and not here? And his answer is stuck with me, man. He said, if you want to see the power of God, go to where the gospel has never been preached and his power will meet you there. Yeah. Um, and and so when we're on mission with Him, that is exactly where we're going to start seeing flashes of the book of Acts happen in our lives. And we can't expect it if we're not fulfilling what He's called us to do. If we're being that, yeah. disobedient to the Lord, uh, then then we're not going to be able to see it in our lives.
0: Not just, yeah, disobedient or, or even, you know, it's the Word, the Spirit, the core missionary task. But let's take the Word, for instance, The the, the spread of this dynamic word, you know, it spreads, it grows, it multiplies throughout the book of Acts. And wherever the word goes multiplying, how does the word of God multiply? It multiplies disciples and, and, and churches. So the word is not the, just the word preached on a Sunday morning or studied in seminary or at the Bible class. There's only one message in Acts recorded to believers. Every other recorded message is out in the marketplace, in the synagogue, in a prison. <laughs> you know, Well, it wasn't recorded in the prison, but, <laughs> but the, the word is getting out. It's a dynamic, life-changing um, word of God. You know, this is a word that, that you know, God spoke and the whole universe was flying into existence. And so you can be a person of the word, but you can try and sort of captivate the word in the Christian service and in the seminary, whereas this word is meant to be in the workplace, the marketplace, you know, the prison cell, wherever it is, changing lives. I mean, how quickly was it?
1: How quickly was it, Steve, from the time the Holy Spirit fell until it was on the streets of Jerusalem?
0: Yeah, and, and so this same principle applies with where are people of the spirit. And as you point out, you know, uh, we don't know was it five minutes or fifty minutes, but the spirit falls and immediately, you know, they 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 locked the doors and they said no one's leaving. They set up a live video feed that went around the world and people began to flock to Jerusalem to to, to no. Within five minutes or fifty minutes of the spirit falling in power, the word hits the streets, and the word never takes a backward step for the rest of Acts. And so, people can say, "I'm this person of the Spirit. I'm here twenty four uh, seven. I'm soaking. I'm I'm adoring God." And say, so, "Okay." Save your 24-7 prayer for when you're in the prison cell in Philippi because you've been proclaiming the gospel and people aren't happy. And then finally, you know, we can be a person of mission. And that's a devalued word today. Most people don't know what to do on Monday morning. Uh, But we're going to be missional. And it's a catchphrase. You know, for Jesus, it's very concrete is the good news about the Lord Jesus going to where, where people have never heard before, is that good news, the word and the spirit transforming lives, are disciples being made, are they being formed into Christian community where they're learning to follow the Lord Jesus to the glory of God? And so the word, the spirit, the core missionary task have to be understood from the point of view of, of the scriptures and I'm saying we've got to see what are these things what does it look like in the book of Acts? Well, let's now take the lessons from the book of Acts and live them today and see what happens. We just might bridge that gap between our experience and the movement of God in Acts.
1: That's that's so good,
0: brother. Everything you just said there,
1: you know, the it, it's it's as if one of the enemies um attacks on the church has been to convince us that the word needs to stay within the four walls of a building. Um, The spirit also needs to stay within a prayer service somewhere. And the mission is only for professionals uh, who who are going to give the rest of their lives to go to some foreign country somewhere, but not for everyday people. Um, And when we realize the word is designed to be on the streets, the Spirit is given to us to empower us to be his witnesses. That was what that's literally what Jesus said at Acts 1: that the Spirit will fall upon you and will literally make you a witness, my witness to the nations. And then the missionary task is for every, every single believer that mm-hmm. we all need to take up that task in order to go reach people who are far from God. And and take His word through the power of the Spirit to people that have never heard it before. Um, it's such a beautiful, simple thing, Steve. That sometimes we make it we make it way too complicated. Um, mm-hmm. And and it really can be uh, a very simple thing of the word in action with the power of the Holy Spirit reaching people far from God, and that making that if if that's Jesus's core missionary task, then. Wouldn't it make sense that it would be our core missionary task as well, and that would be the thing that we focus the majority of our life on, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, the the disciples are sort of wondering about when you're going to restore, you know, Israel to to its place. (laughs) You know, Jesus saying, listen, guys, it's up to the Father. The dates and times, you forget about that stuff. Let me tell you about the importance of this time. You will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And this is a promise to every disciple. And you will be my witnesses throughout from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. That's, that's the time we're in right now.
1: So, Steve, you've been talking about the word, the spirit, the core missionary task. How do you see that fleshed out through the book of Acts? How is that lived out? What, is, what does that practically look like?
0: Yeah. Well, and the great thing is Luke does a tremendous job to show us. He's always showing us what this looks like. And um, if we just sort of camp for a moment on in Acts chapter two, you'll see the whole mission of God unpacked in that chapter, in that great day of Pentecost. and you see the themes of obviously the word you know it's the proclamation of the word and the power of the spirit that leads to the birth of the church in Jerusalem 3000 saved and added in a day you know it's it's the work of the holy spirit descending upon every believer in power to equip them to proclaim God's glory to the world, to bear witness to the Lord Jesus. And I just love, I've said it already in this interview, but I just love the fact it's not just the spirit on the ordained guys, you know, or the apostles. It's, you know, it's the young women and young men, the old guys and the mature women, and it's the rich and the poor. They all get to participate uh, in this movement of God. But how is it fleshed out on that day of Pentecost? And um, we just go to a simple pattern uh, that we call the four fields where, you know, a, a farmer enters an empty field and they've got it. Their empty field is Jerusalem. You know, this is the city that's crucified their Lord, you know, crucifying, crucifying. These are lost people And they're gathered from the nations, Jews coming in from the nations for for Pentecost. And so what do they do in this field of lost people? They proclaim, they connect with them and proclaim the gospel. And so we go from an empty field connecting with people to the public proclamation of the gospel. And that can be one-on-one or one-on-a-household. In this case, it's one-on-one. Thousands, 3,000 turned and believed, but the crowd probably was much bigger than 3,000. And so they connect, they proclaim the gospel very clearly, and they call, Peter calls people through the word of God to repent, to believe, to have their sins forgiven, that they might receive forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so they move straight from gospel uh, proclamation to disciples, baptized disciples who are learning to follow the Lord Jesus in community. They're added to the number, not just some, you know, <laughs> book with their name in it. They mean they're added to the body of believers in Jerusalem, which was many hundreds probably of um uh, of gatherings in various households and then at time they'd be able to gather for a time they were able to gather in the temple in a larger group, but that didn't last because of the persecution. And so the, the church is now scattered throughout Jerusalem and it starts spilling over. And the church of Jerusalem or the churches of Jerusalem, the one church with many churches, ends up birthing a multiplying movement of disciples, of leaders, of churches. And so we get this incredible, you know, the the pinnacle of the day of Pentecost is not the sermon. It's not even the coming of the Spirit. How does the day end? Why is the Word and the Spirit given? They're given that they might create this new people of God, true Israel. And that those disciples might live in community with one another, but also take part in a mobile missionary movement that's headed to the ends of the earth. And so Luke finishes by describing the life of discipleship in community in Jerusalem. But they're not camping in Jerusalem. Because if they camp too long, the Lord's going to get them moving again. So that shows us how it's fleshed out, that the word, the spirit, the core missionary task, the fruit of those things are disciples and churches in every place and amongst every people group from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth.
1: Yeah, that's so good, Steve. So that's, I mean, that's 2,000 years ago, right? Um is God still doing that same thing today? I mean, we, you know, you and I, you and I agree on the answer to this, but, uh, but for those listening, can you give a modern day example of that same thing taking shape, uh, somewhere across the world right now?
0: Well, one of my favorites is the, um, prison system in Rio de Janeiro in, um, in Brazil. Um, and I, I, I read it, it was a, 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 an academic, he's a believer, but he, he got himself checked into the prison for a couple of weeks. And uh, these prisons are controlled by the gangs. Once you step into the prison, you better be in a gang <laughs> because they're your protection against the other gangs. And so for the prison officials, you know, they'll, they'll quell a riot or, or stop people escaping, but they don't run the prisons on the inside. And they're hellholes. These, these are the most dismal, sad, dark places on the planet, the way they cram the prisoners in, the problems with violence and, and drug abuse, uh, all sorts of vices on the inside. But there's been a move of God amongst the prisoners and they're turning to the Lord Jesus. Many of them have got a Pentecostal background and, and they have encountered the power of God in such a way that they're being set free from bondage to their gang membership, to drugs, to the life of crime. And you know what? If you leave a gang, they'll kill you. That's just how it is unless you begin following Jesus. And they'll let you go and join the Christians in their block with the one proviso that if you mess up, if you start dealing drugs again, or they're they're apparently prostitutes visiting these prisons or messing around with prostitutes, they'll kill you. So there's quite a motivation to remain as a faithful disciple.
1: If but we all are, if we all have that same motivation.
0: <laughs> oh, I do. My You're, wife will kill me. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Right. Mine too. Mine too. <laughs> so this is a movement within prisons. But each of the, the these um disciples, they're gathered in churches that are run by prisoners. They have a relationship with the outside, but they're not outside run. They're run from within your, you know, the pastor of that church is a, is a convict is a convicted criminal and his life has been changed and so the gangs treat these christian effectively the christians are like a gang they treat them with respect because the christians treat them with respect and this is spilled out into the favelas the the slums in rio where the the Christians are allowed sort of to move about in the slums. They they don't tell the authorities what the gangs are doing. They don't report the gangs, you know, for drug dealing and those. And this has actually happened, you know, where where the, the guy researching, he'll be with one of the pastors on the outside, sometimes a a prisoner who's been released, and they will stop. And they're these gang members with guns and Automatic weapons and gold jewelry, they're dealing drugs. They will stop and say, can we pray for you? And they will pray and minister to these guys. They're nasty, dangerous people, but they treat them with respect. And they allow any gang member who has a genuine conversion to be part of the Christian uh, discipleship. So... That's just one example of, it's like this life of God, this movement of God, his word, his spirit, this this call to be a disciple, to be in community, living out the life of Jesus in community, but also always going to the next cell and the next cell block and the next prison in order to see and the next favela. And that that the heroes of this story are existing and former criminals. This this is why Luke wrote the Book of Acts. And if it can happen in the darkest place in Rio, it it can happen, you know, anywhere in the world. And we've got other stories, you know, stories of a movement amongst uh, uh, red light district workers, prostitutes in the red light district of Mumbai. That made me cry when I did that interview. But there are also stories in, you know, Los Angeles or London, uh, where you are in, in different spots around India, in Africa. You know, we see these movements emerging and Acts is our guidebook on how to steward what God is doing through his word and the Holy Spirit. How to, you know, he calls us in, he says, you know, Steve, I want you to bridge the gap between your experience and what you read in the book of Acts. And the first place, begin with Peter and the other disciples. You've blown it. You don't have it all put together. You're weak. You've failed. Okay, let me remake you from, from the inside out because I've got a job for you. And, and that's what the book of Acts is saying to us all.
1: I'd love to hear... Um what impact you're hoping that this book will make um in in the people who read it and in you know just in the areas that uh that don't have Jesus across the world what what impact are you hoping this makes
0: I think it's the bridging of that gap between our experience and the movement of God uh often we're thinking we're trying to bridge the gap with we don't have it all put together and we need to to work at this thing harder you know one of the other themes we look at in the book is how God shapes movement catalysts like a Peter or a Paul, and and the principles apply not just to you know apostolic leaders, but to to anyone who wants to engage. Yeah, and He begins with their weakness, with their sin. You know, Peter, when when Peter encounters Jesus, depart from me. <laughs> you know, Jesus, says, it's going to be all right. you you're you're a rock, Peter. I'm going to remake you. It's going to be painful, you know. And and the Lord is is still remaking him in 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 the Book of Acts. Same with Peter, uh, Paul. You know, despite all of his gifts and his learning and his powerful personality, you know, begins for him on on face down in the dust of of the road to Damascus. So let's let's not try and rise above uh, Peter or Paul. Let's just say, Lord, I you know. My willpower is not enough. (laughs) You know, my learning is not enough. Thank God if I've got some learning, but it's not enough. You're going to have to get me to where I need to be. So now our faith for this thing is in God, who is the main character of Acts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because this is a movement of God. It's not a movement of Steve. It's not a movement of Josh. It's a movement of God. And we're saying, mm-hmm. Lord, I just, I just want to, I want you to, to, tra- to change me so that I can make the contribution you've, you've called me to make. I, I, I want to play a part in your story, you know, get me off the bench, Lord. Um, and, uh, and and he will answer that sort of prayer rather than, you know, somehow I've got to summon up the willpower and the determination. Start with, Lord, there's a gap here. I'm on the platform. <laughs> I know this is the train you want to get me on. Uh, help me bridge the gap. Help me step over the gap.
1: Um, any Any final words of encouragement or challenge that you'd like to give?
0: Look, I, I would encourage them. One of the things that we're we're linking to the book um, and and will be available at movements.net, the website, is a discovery sheet in Acts. And we just uh, have a number of categories as and I'd encourage them as 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 the book comes out, don't just read my book, read the book of Acts. And and use that sheet just to take notes around, you know, how do they do evangelism? How do they make disciples? How do they form them into churches? How do they multiply leaders? Uh, you know, what's the place of persecution or trouble? What's the work of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And then the last two questions are, you know, what have you learned as you work through Acts? And, and secondly, what what do you need to do next? So I'd say dig into the book of Acts and if it's helpful, grab, grab a hold of that worksheet that'll be at movements.net and um, work through the book of Acts. Even better if you do it with at least one or two or three other people. Yeah, yeah, that's so good, man. So good. Well, thank you, Steve. Visit movements.net to discover how you can get a copy of Acts and the Movement of God. If you enjoy it, why not leave a review on Amazon or spread the word on social media? I'm Steve Addison for the.